0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes.
1: Thank you, Santa Barbara. So I was just saying, that pilot is like a fully formed, beautiful piece of television art. It, It doesn't look... Like it's just the beginning of something that's going to last eleven years. It really looks like exactly what you meant it to be. Was it what you meant it to be?
2: Yeah, it was what I meant it to be. <laughs> okay, okay.
1: <laughs> not, not what Glenn meant it to be.
2: <laughs> the guys came along very nicely. Uh, well, it's a hard question to answer. First of all, thirty years ago, what, what did we intend it to be? But uh, um, you know, we were awfully young and. It's one of those cases where you're so young and naive and a little stupid and you don't realize how tough this is. You just kind of do it off the top of your head. It seemed easy and spontaneous at the time, I think. We look well, we back won't... at it now and say, "What? God, we pulled off some tricks there.
3: Yeah. <laughs> we, we started, when we were doing a pilot, we said, let's tell a story. Uh, the jokes will come if you have a decent story. And... We, had, we worried less about the story than, I'm sorry, but worried less about the jokes than introducing the characters. When people got to know the characters, they were they were going to be inherently funny later on. We, if a joke presented itself, we we went there. But we thought, do a story, keep people's interest. And there's a big difference between uh, the time allotted to do a television uh, half hour now. There's much more time devoted to commercials now. We had what, 26 minutes? This was
1: almost 26 minutes, and now they're at 22-minute half was, hour. Which is
3: leisurely compared to what it is now. See, kind of almost when you're doing a sitcom now, particularly on network, you have to immediately deliver a joke. We waited. Uh, we felt that we had the time to wait, and let's get the story down, and see what happens. So, I think it is. It is kind of what we were trying to do. We got very fortunate. We also had really, really good actors and a great director, so that made the difference.
2: We did an entire false start with this. We had
3: <clears throat> our original
2: idea. I won't go into it, but it was a totally different story.
1: I'll go into uh, it.
2: Go into it? Yeah, we
1: like that stuff.
2: Again, I'm going back 30 years, but it had... It had actually, we kind of used it later For on Kirstie. when we brought Rebecca. Because mm-hmm. it was about... Um, A young lady coming in who was the new owner of the bar, and uh, all the regulars, the animosity between her and them, and I don't remember all the scenes and details, but worked on it and got to a point where it just we were getting very frustrated, so we just threw the thing in the trash can and came up with this uh, one afternoon. And uh, once again, you know, these things, you just just kismet sometimes, or
3: some little spark catches you the way it went.
2: You remember any of the other details of the
3: original? No, but we didn't throw in the gar- whatever garbage can we yeah. threw it in. We kept it pretty close because they use it later on.
1: <laughs> Keep good notes is the point.
3: Never waste anything.
1: Well, in eleven years, you're kind of going to have to reduce, reuse, recycle yeah. over time.
2: But what's and interesting? We only had so many ideas in our
1: lives. <laughs> and then the rest of the time, we were in the writers' room. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but one of the things I really noticed watching the pilot, and it was great to see it on the big screen, is that there are laughs on the lines, even though they're not hard jokes, they're really funny lines, and there are as many laughs in between the lines. There was there were just this chemistry, uh, you know, in the reaction shots. Did you, did you know that was going to happen? Do you remember?
0: Uh, I remember... Uh, uh we were all trained at MTM, and at MTM, you always—if uh, you were doing a pilot—you always had a test audience before you did the pilot, three or four days, to find out if uh, the audience was understanding the stories and understanding the characters. And I remember uh, we had a test audience for for Cheers, and it was a bunch of Cbs from <laughs> Camp Pendleton sitting in this audience, and I, I got c- kind of nervous, and. Uh, We, you know, it was going along okay and then George Went entered as Norm and uh, uh, they went Norm and uh, uh, Coach said, "Uh, what do you know? And George said, not enough. And it got a huge laugh. And I don't think any of us were expecting that laugh because it wasn't written as a joke. And I, I remember turning to Glenn at that moment and I, you know, we both looked at one another and we knew we were getting attitude laughs. This is a character, his first line, and the audience exactly knew who he was, and they were laughing at his attitude, and from then on, I knew that there was something special about this show.
1: So we you also had... told
2: you uh, did, did, Your reaction, that <clears throat> laughter reaction is a very good point because we had to teach the cast kind of early on to never assume that you're not being watched. I think in the theater, when the audience, uh, you know the audience is looking at somebody else, and so you, an actor can kind of go dead. But we, we had to tell them, we've got a camera on you all the time, so always be reacting and always be ready because we'll use it. Always be funny. Always be funny.
1: <laughs> Even when you're not funny, be funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, backing up, um, I think we all all of us who have watched many hours of you being interviewed online—well, that's me—but um, <laughs> some of you may know that part of the origin of this of this pilot was uh, there was a Faulty Towers influence that you guys really liked that.
2: So, yeah, somewhat. We we were huge fans of Faulty Towers, and the original concept of the show we were sort of thinking about a hotel. We loved the energy of that show how it went back and forth from the, the lobby to the restaurant to the bar and it was just tremendous and we for a long time we were thinking of doing something like that but it just started to seem to us I guess since we spend so much time in bars you know, we started to think <laughs> that that's a that's such a great venue for life's tragedies and celebrations and the ups and the downs and so as time went on we just got more and more focused into that but uh no, we, I, that was the original impetus towards, uh, towards the bar, I think.
1: Little-known fact, um, there was some talk at one time of setting the bar in Barstow. You guys were from uh, Las Vegas, raised in Vegas, and so the idea of a bar in Barstow on the way to fame, fortune, riches, and scandal.
3: Thank God it was short-lived.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I talked about it, <laughs> yeah. and then it became Boston because it could have been
0: something. Uh, Boston is a sports town. Got it. I mean, we were we we thought about Philadelphia and Detroit and towns that are really in, uh, really they love their sports, and uh, we, we we decided on Boston because it's so it, there was an accent, and it was such a distinctive town that uh, and it's urbane and cosmopolitan at the same time.
1: And there was a beauty and a warmth and, a, and just a real lushness to the setting, to the city, to the set, that, um, that even though it was a show set in a bar, it kind of invited everybody in.
0: Right. Uh, I think uh, Glenn called me one night and said, I found our place, and it was 1 in the morning my time, so it was 4 in the morning Boston time. Uh,
1: so we know where you were. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, since we were doing a show about a bar, we wanted it to be a place that people... Would come into and feel welcome to. So it was all wood and you know warm colors and uh, 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 you know uh, just a a place where people go every
1: Thursday. Had a really comforting, Mm -hmm. good place to go.
0: There was a lot of trepidation about us using a bar.
2: The network had some reservations about that, and and a lot of people did because at that, up until that time, everybody thought of a bar as kind of a depressing place where helpless people go and drown their sorrows. So we really did everything we could to to counteract that and do it more like a British pub where people from all strata of society come in and have a good time together and some consolation among themselves, too.
1: Yeah, drinking became kind of really in the background. Very, very rarely focused on that. In fact, I think this was the only time we ever see Norm or anybody really... Drunk, right?
0: Except for the three of us. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think those
1: rewrites were long. Was that? Was <laughs> that?
0: Did the network ask us to do that, or no? That was. No, what? We did take throat> take Norm home to you know. Coach drove him home.
3: I don't remember any admonition from the network, but it was our impulse that that wasn't what the show was going to be about uh, <clears throat> necessarily. With drunken humor. There was a comedian at the time who did a lot. Of, I, don't if, I don't know if you remember Foster Brooks, but uh, he, had, <laughs> he played uh, a drunk, and, and, and it was very funny, but I don't think it uh, would have... He couldn't have sustained that kind of character. And Norm, <clears throat> the great right thing about Norm, uh, you know, he's we never did show him drunk except for the episode you're talking about, the first episode. But the, it's very. this is his life. This is his... These are his people. These are, his, uh, yeah.
1: yeah. It's, this is home. And yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah. And that's that's more of the emphasis.
1: We we as the yeah. audience loved it. We always loved it when he'd walk in the door, and everyone would yell Norm, and then there would be a setup, and then there would be a punchline. As writers, as time went on, oh. that became a great <laughs> challenge. Right. How are All we right. going to get him in? What are we going to say? What are we going to do?
2: We would sometimes spend as much time on those on those little Normisms as we would on an entire scene, because we'd done so many and.
3: Always digging for, digging for one more. But you had to have a substantial enough laugh to get him through the door. Yeah, the, la- the laugh had to carry
1: him all the way across. Yeah, you didn't want the,
3: room. the laugh to die halfway. Been not for a mediocre joke. No, it had to, to fail.
1: Well, we're going to come back to that in, in, in just a second. But coming back to the original cast and casting, this was this was a really long process. The casting process. Um, was there anybody in the original cast that you knew from the beginning? was going to be part of part of this show.
2: Rhea. Rhea, yeah. Yeah, we always had her in mind. We worked with her on Taxi, and she was Danny, Danny DeVito's girlfriend at the time. I think I'm So, yeah, we had her in mind the whole time. We had George went in mind, in mind the whole time, but he was uh, uh, obligated to do it. He, there was another series that it, if it had gone, we would have lost
0: George. The Bronx Zoo, yeah. Yeah,
2: so we had to read uh, other actors for that part. Just in case, Uh, and one of those people was John Ratzenberger. We actually had him originally come in and read for Norm.
1: John Ratzenberger, who played Cliff Claven, originally was coming in to read for Norm Peterson.
2: The first time time we met. How
1: was he? as that?
2: He wasn't so great as uh, as Norm, but (laughs) to be honest with you. But as he was going out the door, he said, "You know, I had an idea for a character." I said, "Well, what?" what?" He said, "Well, there's this loudmouth guy. Well, no, a guy who comes in." Started the evening, he's kind of quiet and everything, but then by the end of the evening, he's had a few drinks, his flies open and he's sounding off on every subject in the world, and he's world's leading authority. So oh, you know, that kind of sounds interesting, the, the world's leading authority part of it. And so then we thought it would be great to put him in some kind of a uniform to kind of back up that authority figure, and we thought. First we were, first we were thinking of like a doorman at one of the local hotels. But then we latched on to Mailman because then he's, got, he's reading all the magazines. He's and opening stuff, everyone's just, mail. That's, right. <laughs> and that's how he becomes such an expert.
1: One of the things about MASH, and we have one, one of the cheers writers who was there from the very beginning and all the way to the end, who was also from MASH, Ken Levine, yes. um, used to tell us that the great. Hey, Ken. <laughs> When Billy and I joined Cheers, which was in the fourth season, Kenny told us that the beauty of Cheers was the same thing that was so beautiful about MASH, was that there was this front door, there was always incoming. Stories could walk in, stories flew in to MASH and walked in the front door at Cheers. It was um, really useful.
0: We were very lucky. Yeah. We were very lucky in, uh, in the original cast and then in replacing the people who left and uh... and and then introducing characters we got we got we got very lucky and that's you know that's half the success of a television show to be lucky to be on you know to be on a network that had nothing and we had the first year we had no numbers and all of a sudden you know uh, they could have canceled us, but they had nothing else. So we were lucky that way. So, no, it's true. No, the
1: first, the first week Cheers aired, the pilot aired in 1982. It was number 60 out of 63.
2: Yeah. What, what, out of 58.
1: Uh, <laughs> wow! Well. I'm <laughs> I think, so, I'm not I think sure the that top that... five were uh, Ch- Joni Loves Chachi <laughs> and <laughs> Alice. You had some well, heavy competition up there at the top.
2: J- Jimmy is right that, they, that NBC was in a lot of trouble when we came along, but it's also true we got tremendous support from Brandon Tartikoff and Grant Tinker who, Grant had come in as president of NBC saying, I'm all in, front, in favor of quality television. That's what my administration is going to be about is quality and then we got these very good reviews when we came on, and it was pretty tough. Even if he'd wanted to, it would have been pretty hard for him to, to jerk us. But he didn't. He was very, they were both supportive and said, they just kept saying, do what you're doing, we support you, we love your show. Uh, whereas a lot of network executives would say, here's what you have to do to fix this. And it's
1: by the disaster. end of the season, you had, you had a, an Emmy for writing the best show on television. You had Cheers had won. Best Comedy. Uh, you had Shelley Actually, Run. actually, I think there were three out of the five uh, nominees in the writing field were Cheers episodes. Ken and David, David mm-hmm. Lloyd, and you guys.
4: That's right. And
2: Jimmy won first year. And for, Shelley for Best Director? Won. And Shelley won. Yeah. So, yeah, that, was a, that helped keep us alive, So it was too, pretty undeniable
1: that. after that. And then, was it the second or third year that Cosby came on? And then... Uh, third, third. Thursday night was solidified. Then it was must-see TV. And-
2: yeah. Cosby helped us immensely. We had already started to, to gain some momentum. They found us in repeats, first season. So yeah. we started to get some numbers. Yep, but will- you're right, once Cosby had it, was, the whole night went up.
1: And, and by the way, speaking of Cosby, fun fact, at one point, wasn't Bill Cosby somebody who you had considered... For this show,
3: That's right. it was pitched to by the network. To play yeah, Diane. Not, not.
1: To play Diane. <laughs> 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 and you know, talking about partners, it would have gone a whole different way. <laughs> we were almost ready. <laughs>
2: well, I spot it. kind of broke the ground. So.
1: <laughs> um, so One of the things you told us early on, I don't know if you recall this, was we came in at the beginning of a season. We would always come in um, somewhere around May or June to begin to break stories. The actors were on break, and the writers would come in, and we'd begin to break stories. And I remember you saying that we were going to make the writers' lives really easy by making the characters' lives really hard. Do you remember that? It was...
2: Who you talk, which one of us said it? <laughs> I'm just going
1: who needs it right now? <laughs> it was just, it was so wise and it was something, it was a rule that we always like to follow after that because giving these people real problems, real world problems, I mean like breaking their lives apart, mm-hmm. really gave us a lot of stories. And, yeah, a little um,
2: sadistic to think about it. That basically, way, but, yeah. But yeah, it's true. Yeah, not much, not many stories to be gleaned from people who are happy and content. You know. There kind of a problem we had with George a lot. As wonderfully as he was to write for his character was essentially a guy who's pretty happy go lucky and well adjusted and as long as he has his beer everything's fine. Everybody else kind of wanted something or had some kind of a problem. But George was George was tough. He's tough with his lines too.
3: Why he was he was, uh, he was just was a, a great great chorus. <ball>. <laughs> yeah. Great observer. <laughs> About everything that was going on in the bar and commenting on it. But when you had to put him uh, center stage, it was, it was difficult. Well,
1: the character, yeah, because you're saying the character was content, and so right. there's not a lot of conflict.
2: But in a way, he was sort of the cornerstone. He was, he was cheers. Everything revolved around George. Mm-hmm. He was the, kind of the Buddha <laughs> sitting there.
1: <and laughs> Do I smell along. a segue?
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um... George went. We are very lucky to have George up here tonight, who played Norm, and I feel like we're, you know, as well as having the conversation be about the writing and the creation of the show, we should have the actors represented. So we're going to have a little clip, and then we are going to welcome our old friend Norm. So let's watch some TV, and then we'll bring George up here. Ladies and gentlemen, please help us welcome...
0: How have you been the past 20 years? Thirsty? (laughs) Thirsty.
4: Uh, What do you you say? Free birds? Free (laughs) birds? Nothing? No?
1: Okay. When you've been away from the show, Back in the day, it was impossible to come up with those lines. We had to wait 20 years to catch a new one.
4: <laughs>
1: so where did that start? The norm entrance. It's, I mean, we saw it in the pilot. Was it somebody's idea? You said it was a discovered joke, but how did how won't. did it become memorialized as a thing you do?
0: Uh, it just was that 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 time with the Seabees. It just <laughs>
4: no it, no blame it, 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 it on the Seabees. Uh, it was let me refresh your memory. <laughs> no, we were sort of workshopping uh, some uh, notions about. Our relationships. The boys were up writing, and it was you and, and just the cast, and we were saying, you know, well, what, what, uh, what do you think? Uh, and Nikki would say, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I used to uh, go hang out in this bar, and you know, I'm, I'm not very good with impressions, so, but, uh, 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 but, uh, and whenever someone would walk, would walk in, everyone would yell the, the regular's name and uh, so nick it was kind of uh
0: nicky's idea I but no we were talking about the the fact that you got this huge laugh with the CB oh, when you sense. said not enough yeah,
4: yeah. that was uh a that, that was a surprise <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah so but, then uh, we did yeah. it uh, one more time the next show and that was the end that was it there was no yeah oh, i thought you meant began. just
4: the why how do we got to uh to, to calling out norm uh, no I,
0: I, and then after a while if it became difficult he didn't enter. He was just sitting there. Right, we would just have him there.
1: <laughs> if you notice in the later years, he's always yeah. just there. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And when you when you guys originally wrote the character, he was not named Norm. In the very first version, I understand, or so says the videos, um, that he was called George. Mm-hmm. His yeah. character was named George.
0: And I script, said the first script was George. I <laughs> said to you guys, uh, I I had done a couple of Mary Tyler Moore's and I got really tough with Ted playing Ted. Mm. And I just said, if you're going to cast this unfunny guy, let's, uh, let's change the name. So you guys came up with Norm, and that's how it stuck. friend of mine from college. Okay.
1: So, George, is there anywhere, like on the Venn diagram, of where you and Norm connect?
4: Beer? Beer? <laughs> <laughs> softball In In in
1: (laughs) in 11 years of living as living with a character do you become more him does he become more you how does that synergy work
4: i don't know you know i always had a much better relationship with my wife for starters um and uh I didn't really hang out in bars, so I I guess, I don't know. Uh, Hmm. I don't know. I think that's more on on the writers, uh, really. I I, I didn't really, you know, I just... It was just, it was T-Ball. I mean, you guys just, like, it was so easy. You know, the scripts were so amazing, and, you know, and then every day we'd we'd get a new one, you know, as as you probably know. You know, we'd get, like, brand new pages every day, and and it'd be like, oh, no, with my great joke. And then it, there would always be a better one. It was so great.
1: Um, I, want, I want to just throw in one little fun fact that um, you guys might not know, little known fact. Um, the part of Vera on Cheers when she was played, although unseen, was played by Bernadette Briquette, who is George's wife mm-hmm. in this world. Yep. Did um, we ever
2: use her more than once? I remember so the, she
4: the was food on, fight. Uh, her legs were on several times. Minute. Uh her legs were generally, her body was generally Rebecca Soliday, Shelley's uh, <laughs> Shelley stand in. <laughs> she Rebecca took the pie in the face. Oh, no, I know
0: that. Oh, she did. But, no, but your scene on the steps, that was Vern. Was it? Yeah, sitting outside. Well, she played she
4: Tinkerbell, is... of course. Uh, yeah. Tinkerbell to John Ratzenberger's Ponce de I'll Leon. Say, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> inspired oh. episode.
1: Rebecca took the pie in the face, but Bernadette commented on it. That we did in one take.
4: Yeah. had to. Yeah. Had to. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and as I recall, it went on quite a bit longer than what we saw.
4: Yeah, probably. Not, not only it that, it also was, smelled so bad. Yeah. And we couldn't stand. Nobody could stand up. Like yeah. You saw you know, Sam like like yeah. lose yeah. it. Yeah, well, all of us were, the gravy was just, it was just like, I couldn't even leave the set. You said, cut, and we're like,
1: how, You
4: how? You know, like we just couldn't. Move. <clears throat> But you had a fail-safe point at the, in that scene,
2: right, where you yeah, had to make yeah. sure that all the cameras were rolling, everybody was set right, before, before the food starts w- to yeah, fly. Before, right. before the first yeah.
1: peeve.
2: <clears throat> and after that, it was all hell broke loose.
1: So, okay, Billy and I joined the show in the fourth season, um, and uh, it was it was really interesting. You had a great thing going For the most part, the show was winning Emmys, Peabodys, every every award you could win, every accolade you could win. It was really climbing in the ratings. Every writer wanted to write it, uh, including Kurt Vonnegut, who in 1991 told an interviewer, "I would rather have written an episode of Cheers than anything I've written." He wrote Slaughterhouse Five. Um, But along the way, it wasn't all planned. You know, writers make plans, God laughs. Things were going really well, and also things were happening that we weren't expecting and didn't want. Um, when Coach, when Nicholas Colasanto passed away, um, the, he, you knew he was ill for some time, correct?
0: Oh, no uh, we, yeah. We, we, we didn't know when we hired him that he was ill, but um, uh, his memory was obviously failing, so we, we knew, we knew Nicky was sick.
2: And was, getting, and was getting sicker, although yeah. it caught us by surprise when he actually
0: passed yeah. away.
3: That was a shock. We well, remember had he no ideas that far. He, uh, he, he left the show for a while uh, to recuperate and came in essentially to uh, so we could take a look at him, to be blunt. And uh, he was uh, lost a lot of weight, did not look well. And we uh, had to make a blunt assessment that uh, he wasn't going to be back. Uh, he died quite uh, right shortly after that.
1: But, there, um, go it, ahead.
3: It, well, well, I was just saying it was
1: anticipated. Um,
4: I didn't. But. There,
1: <laughs> th- there's a story, and you can confirm this, George, that he used to write his lines on different parts of the set um, so that he could find them and remember, him, remember them. And coming down the stairs, he had written one of his lines.
4: Yeah, it's yeah, still there, I would imagine.
1: Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, and he had written the line, and the line was, it's as if he was there with us now. Yeah. And you guys yeah. used to.
4: Yeah. And then we took the. Uh, I think he had this portrait of Geronimo in his dressing room, and uh, we moved it to the, the back, bar, you know, the bar there by the, mm-hmm. behind the jukebox.
2: You know, the last episode, the very last, very, very end of the last show, uh, Sam goes up and adjusts the uh, Geronimo
4: print.
1: We might just watch that a little bit later. <laughs>
4: Sorry, I didn't mean that. That's okay.
1: That's no, okay. I, no, it was good. <laughs> Teed it up like a a T-ball. It was good.
4: But he would never give me, uh, you know, Jimmy said his, his memory was failing. He was very vague about setups for Norm entrances. <laughs> he'd, like, uh, I think uh, the setup was supposed to be, how's life treating you? Like, I just ran over its dog. And I'd walk in and he'd go, how you doing, Norm? <laughs> 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 like, I just ran. you know, like that. Um. <laughs> Can I get you a beer and arm like I just ran over the (laughs) car? It kind of (laughs) works.
1: So, I mean, Coach was incredibly beloved. And when you lost him, what, I mean, like, are you guys just tearing your hair out? Are you going, how are we ever going to replace a character that is that cherished? And how do you come to Woody Boyd?
3: We've been pushed for a long time to uh, go a bit younger, even when uh, Nick was still with us, <clears throat> gets you know, with the demographic that everybody wants to appeal to the 1849, we, we really didn't have anybody in that area. So uh, there was an impetus, we always said, if we find a character and an actor that works, we'd be glad to do it. But all of a sudden, when we did have an opening in, uh, behind the bar, uh, we said, let's, let's go younger." And uh, I think our first impulse was to have somebody that knew Coach that uh, was a pen pal with him. And that's how Woody came to. Uh, we'd actually named the character Woody before we even met uh, Woody Harrelson.
1: And then what, so how'd they get away with that, Jimmy?
0: Get away with what?
1: Calling Woody Woody after the oh, yeah. the George George Ted Ted oh, thing.
0: I, I, at that point, the boat had sailed. <laughs> <laughs> the wooden ship had sailed. Uh, we window. also. Uh, we also were following. Uh, uh, on eight thirty on on NBC was Family Ties, and Michael Fox was a huge star. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we to go younger was to hopefully get some of that crowd. And so, uh, you know, we succeeded. We had a guy because the boys had written this character who was like a guy from the Corn Belt, and uh, he was reed thin. This guy looked like. Uh, uh, he, he just had freckles and everything, and uh, we we really liked him. And then one, you know, all of a sudden this guy comes in. We're still auditioning. Guy comes in, he walks in the room and blows his nose. And, you know, <laughs> Woody Harrelson. He blows his nose, and he reads before with he Teddy said hello or anything. Before watching. he said hello, and he reads with Teddy, and it's just it's a way we never thought. He was a strapping guy. The guy we we had originally was much more reed thin. And, you know, much more of a, 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 a farm boy. and uh, He was right on the money. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. Pat. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then so Woody came in, and nobody ever thought of it that way, and he just was really funny. Made I said recall
3: it was Ted. that he, We read Ted with both guys. Yeah. And Ted said, your first choice is he's a good one. He, he would work. But this guy, meaning Woody, is far more interesting. Yeah. So Ted kind of uh, made the choice for us.
1: There's something we about shouldn't make
3: it sound, though, like
2: we weren't. It sounds like we were very calm and cool and collected when no. we lost Nikki, and we were terrified. Yeah. We were, yeah, it, was, it was a really bad moment, as it was when we lost Shelley. And,
1: so yeah. at that point, you went back to what the original, original pilot's idea was going to be, which is Sam the Lothario um, serving, working for a female boss. Right. Right? So we bring in Kirstie. Found the garbage
2: can and dug down in there. <laughs>
1: Um, so I think, let's see. who Jeff Greenberg at the time is the casting director. And he brings you Sharon Stone, Kim Cattrall, Mark Helgenberger, and some really powerhouse women. Yeah. Kirstie had been doing Cat on a Hot Tin Roof at the Amundsen, I think.
0: At the Taper.
1: At the Taper, sorry. And um, The Star
0: Trek movie.
1: And the Star Trek movie. So there's nothing in there that indicates that this woman can do comedy.
2: Yeah, that was, our, that was our reservation. We knew she was a terrific actress. She was beautiful. Jeff loved her, kept, kept fighting for her and fighting for her. And we kept saying, where, where can we see her be funny?
3: We just didn't know it was possible. And it was a bit of a
4: gamble. Mm-hmm.
3: We we, remember we went to see a clip from the uh, movie Summer School? Oh, Carl. The Carl, Carl Reiner, Reiner was directing. And... Uh, we, we told him our situation, and he said, uh, "She's she's your girl. I thought she could uh, definitely handle. It. She's funny in that. Um, so he was he was very helpful. But there's we I, I, at one point uh, I thought we decided, okay, the worst that can happen. She's a good actress. You know, she's a good actor. <clears throat> if she isn't hilarious, we still have people around who around her who are funny. She could at least be a villain. She could be Joan Collins in the
1: bar. A foil. Whatever,
3: yeah. right. Beautiful, but mean. And that was, that was kind of our fix. That was kind of our default position. That's the worst that can happen. Turns out she was hilarious, uh, which was really a bonus. That was one of the luckiest things that ever happened to to us was to cast her.
1: How, how was it for the cast when you would have these changes, when you when Woody came in, when, when Kirstie came in? Are you guys nervous, like, oh, what's this going to be like?
4: Yeah, I mean, there was a few... Uh, People that that seemed to be auditioning in, in a way. Uh, wasn't there an older British uh, woman who uh, came in uh, at, when Nick was ill? Oh, Lila. Lila. Oh, All oh, right. Yeah, and I don't know. So it, you know, th- those things weren't uh, particularly happening. But uh, you know, I I ran into uh, Woody the the night before uh, his uh, his meeting with you guys. I was in Gelson's and uh, I was looking yeah. at some food and see these, see these... Looking at <laughs> food. You know, just in the aisle there and I see these two young boys looking at me and giggling and pointing and, it, you know, but this is like year three or something, so I was sort of used to it. And one of them kept shoving the other one and, uh, and finally the other one reluctantly comes up to me and says, my friend says I should say hello to you. Uh, I'm auditioning to uh, for the role of the bartender. Uh, and uh, tomorrow, and I said, oh, that's great. Well, uh, and he was very sheepish and shy, and I said, well, good luck with that. You know, uh, uh, what's your name? And he goes, Woody. And and I knew that that was the name of the character. So um, I said, no, no, not your name, uh, not uh, the character. What's your, what's your name? And he goes, Woody.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think I might
4: see you tomorrow. <laughs> so um, I, that was good. And Kirsty, yeah, I mean, the Shelley thing, you know, it's... Yeah, you know, I don't know how many more times you can write boy meets girl, boy gets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back with it. I know you were not interested in in a domestic comedy. You you wanted a romantic comedy. So if they got together, it it was kind of a dead end for you guys. And um, it's I mean, it's just an amazing credit to your abilities that you that you were able to string that basic romantic comedy setup. Not over a two-hour matinee on Broadway, but over you know a hundred episodes in five years' time, and, and uh, so you know it was a blessing in disguise. So, uh, but and then Kirstie, you know, at the minute you met her, uh, you know, it didn't matter what you know how beautiful she was, or you know what fancy movies she was in. She's mad as a hatter, <laughs> you know, and um, in, in a good she, way. You she know? came
1: into the very first table reading. <laughs> remember oh yeah wearing a blonde page boy wig
0: <laughs>
2: and an apron, yeah, apron and a, yeah and those sweaters that shelly used to wear dressed as she shelly long, she yeah. As Shelley long. <laughs> yeah that really that really broke the ice and we realized just what we had a nut job on our
4: hands <laughs> and then we had, you know the the first shoot night uh everybody said hey should we get her a gift or something and and, you know, Rhea and Ted and I and, and uh, Woody were like, yeah, we should probably get her something. And Teddy said, well, you know, i got a meeting, and, you know, somebody else had something, and Rhea was going to work out. So it was down to me and John to go shopping. So we' we are off the Gelson's.
1: So we're driving,
4: literally, we're driving down Melrose, and we're looking, you know, trashy lingerie now, and, you know, and, you know Sears now. And we, we go by Big Five somewhere, and Rats goes... You want to buy her a shotgun? <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't stop laughing. So we pull, we pull in, and we bought her a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the rest of the cast, you know, we're in the makeup room. We're running lines with Jimmy, and, uh, and uh, you know, we, we present this thing all wrapped up nicely, and the rest of the cast had no idea what we'd done. And, uh, but, but, so she unwrapped it and loved it. But, um, but you had a... You had a great card that you gave her with with the... Uh, yeah, I forget oh, what it you was. You said something, if you ever try and leave here, you're going to have to shoot your way out. Yeah, yeah. That was theirs. Yeah, but the good news it was that Rats and I were never sent on gift duty again.
1: <laughs> Although I, I, I will say, if you had gotten her trashy lingerie, she would have liked that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i have ruled that out too quickly. <laughs> no, she was...
2: Uh, Kirstie was immediately one of the gang. It was a whole different feeling from Shelley, who was whatever... Uh, else she gave to the group she was never it was never uh, you know the bowery boys but she was always uh it was always her and then the rest of the cast kind of adversarial kirstie came right in and was uh, just a great
0: it was the interesting thing is that um the first couple of rehearsals with this character rebecca she was you know they had written her as a martinet a really strict woman and she was um, you know, it was not really working. I mean, she was just mean and didn't say hello or anything like that. And so we didn't quite know what to do. And, you know, we were, uh, we were debating what to do. And then she had to go into Sam's office, right, to do something. Was it her office at that point? I don't remember. It was, and she got a call from the guy she was Yeah, so she work. had to go in the office. And she went to go in the office, and the door handle didn't work. She kept twisting it, and she couldn't get in, and she got frustrated, and everybody started laughing, and we said, "Okay, this is what this character is. She she may be mean and everything like that, but she's can't function. She just literally, yeah, you know, she can't she can't do anything. She just can't confront life. She can pretend and posture like she is, but deep down, she just can't turn a doorknob. And then that." And, uh, you know, she was so brilliant at doing that. It was just... Oh, what happens the... if she
2: goes over and says, oh, I've locked myself out? No, I didn't.
0: I yeah, know. it was just... Um, complete.
1: The, but there really was a learning curve with Rebecca, though, because, it's, because what Jimmy is saying, I remember that really well, and, I, God, I remember it being about eight, ten episodes where she was still Rebecca who has it all together until we just realized that, oh, she cries really well. So let's make her cry as many times as many ways as we can.
3: She was a great crier and she was a great drunk.
0: Yeah,
1: great crier, great drunk.
3: Not, not, not easy. Those things are more difficult than you might think. Uh, well, most people might think about acting, but drunk, drunks. Uh, there's, there's a cliche way of doing a drunk, and she found a different way of doing it that was hilarious and we never pass up an opportunity to <laughs> oh, it's true. playing a drunk
2: is is Playing drunk is very difficult, or at least there are very few people who can do it. Newhart. I mean, yeah, Newhart was a great yeah,
0: Newhart,
4: But New Ed Hart. Asner could never play drunk. No.
2: So it's just I don't know why you have to be a drunk to play drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think
1: Newhart, I, I, I think it was Bob who said that the secret of it was trying to maintain control. Not losing control, but holding on to it.
2: Exactly. So that's or a playing drug.
1: Um, I want to jump to a few questions that as people came in we asked some questions, and I just want to ask a few of these on behalf of our wonderful audience. Were any of the characters, were any of these characters based on people that you guys knew in real life? Any of you?
0: Well everybody knows a norm. If you've been to a bar, there's a norm in every bar.
1: The guy who's, a the guy fixture. who's
0: just yeah, just one one more and I'm on my way. And he's never, he never leaves.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we,
0: you, are, you know what Ernie, so Ernie, Ernie Pantuso, you know. Well,
2: the name, we yeah. got the name Ernie Pantuso from a childhood friend of mine. But oh,
1: did you name honored. the characters after he Friends? Was, he it was? was
2: true, like, well, yeah, Ernie. We used the name, and then it occurred to me after we'd been on the air for four or five episodes, God, you know, Ernie's not going to be, he's not going <laughs> to like this. So, <laughs> I hadn't talked to him in I hadn't talked to him in 25 years, so I decided I'd better call. And he was just so delighted. Like, yeah, I saw it. I got, you're using my <laughs> name on TV? Yeah for, the, yeah, for the dumbest character on television. <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: But also mo- really loved.
2: Oh, of course. Absolutely.
1: Oh, and really funny. Um, any other people like, that you've memorialized by naming characters for them?
2: Well, Norm Peterson was a college friend.
4: Um, so wasn't uh, Cliff, Cliff Clavin. Clavin a gynecologist? Though? Yeah, Cliff Clavin oh, was my... <laughs> Not, not, not mine. Not mine.
1: Little-known <laughs> yeah. fact.
2: Um, no, we and, had a real scoop for him tonight. Yeah.
1: And we named um, Lilith Sternan for our friends, our friends Rob Sternan and Prudence Fraser, who created the Nannies. Uh, and yeah. They, um, who are here, um, we named. We thought Sternan and Fraser would go together well. Mm. If you had known that Shelley Long would leave and Kirsty Alley would be as good as she was would you have hired her in the first place?
0: Oh. Mm. No. No, no. No, No, because Sam and Diane was the generator of the show. Things things worked out
4: fine.
3: (laughs)
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah. I I, I think you're going to be okay. Yeah,
3: let's not not screw it. In retrospect, by leaving, as as George is saying, we didn't want to do uh, them married. That just wasn't, we had nowhere else to go, really, with it. Um, So, No, it it turned out great.
1: So, okay, this may, this may not be a, a softball, but I've been dying to ask this, and you guys are the only people I can ask it of because you created these characters. It's 20 years later. In your minds, where are they now?
2: Well, you know, we had speculated one time about maybe, I don't know, in what context, but we were thinking about maybe uh, Woody now owns the bar. We've gone that far. And that Sam, I don't know what he thought Sam was doing.
3: Well, we've always resisted doing any kind of reunion show, and we'll continue to do that. So this is all conjecture. Uh,
1: Cone of silence. (laughs) (laughs) What happens in the Pollock stays in the Pollock. (laughs) Uh,
4: I imagine Norm would be uh, running a sober living home. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with all sorts of, you know, really troubled young men with tattoos and, okay. and you know, tragedy. <laughs> Leading meetings. Takes that to the network. Um,
0: <laughs>
2: I think definitely Rebecca would be institutionalized.
4: We, we have of oh. oh, yeah. If there had been the last a, another half hour, she would have had to yeah, go to the little.
2: <laughs> we took her as far as a human being
0: could go. She married a plumber. That's
4: yeah.
2: Yeah, she was delighted
0: about yeah, it. Yeah, I know.
2: Uh, That's a fascinating question. We just—it's nothing we gave thought to because, as Glenn said, we never thought about extending this. We always felt
3: like when the curtain came down. that was We it. actually somebody offered the idea. Came up with the idea. That they pitched to us about doing uh, uh, a series based with uh, Kelsey and Ted. And Ted. Uh, they were living somewhere and were friends, and <clears throat> it, it seemed like neither one of them are married, no family. Um, come to a very sad. It, it seemed like a very, very
4: sad. To see. Do, 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 do,
1: it's the odd couple, or maybe the yeah. Sunshine yeah. Boys. Um,
3: Somebody also <laughs> came it to taking it an the idea. least comedic moments out of all of those <laughs> <things. clears throat> Somebody
2: also came and suggested John and George as a spin You know, yeah. he did, probably didn't know that, right? That yeah, would <laughs> be the Sunshine Boys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Odd couple.
1: But the idea of the, of the bar kind of mm, being, you know, just being frozen in time and existing always as it was, as we want it to be, and, and, and really as Sam's place, I think y- you guys brought it home so beautifully in that last episode, I, I mean, just winningly. What, um, wh- what was your thought process going into how do we, how do we leave America? You know, are, are the American TV viewer? Not nah, the world TV viewer.
2: L- last episodes are the hardest thing to do in television. It's to, it's murder, doing. A, everybody wants it to be the best the best episode ever, but they want it to be a typical episode. They don't all of a sudden want it to be something weird and out of the ordinary. So there's just an enormous pressure. You always want to make every episode you do a fabulous episode, and this one you want to, you have to have to make it even more fabulous somehow. Very, it's very seldom anybody can pull that off. Uh, so we, we decided bringing Diane back was one of the few cards we had left to play that seemed to give us a little juice, a little something out of the ordinary. We did that and
3: uh, I don't know, do you, do you recall all the, all the steps? Of- yeah, I remember all the <clears throat> I do remember a lot of the steps. Of- <laughs> but uh, one, thing we, one thing we did want to do was have Sam Alone in the bar, as the last shot, and that's as you were saying, to fix him in time. There, everything else can change, but the series opened with him mm-hmm. being in his bar alone, and uh, that's where it would end. So, okay, full we'll circle. But that's, that, that's such a—it's it's a very good point. The uh, almost every last episode is too long. All of a sudden, you did, we did what was an hour and a half, hour yeah, and forty-five minutes. Uh, What's usually a half-hour show? I mean, it's it's stretching. Uh, it's his attention span, and certainly our own <laughs> in, in writing it. But um, it, it's yeah, you're trying to make it great. This is the last chance. I, I don't, I don't. It was. I don't think it was our finest hour, and forty-five minutes. <laughs> I, I was, I was, no, just because. We we, uh, the network kept asking for more segments, and uh...
2: yeah, we had originally cut it down to about it might have been forty-five minutes, and the network came back and said we have give us more. They would have taken six hours, probably.
1: Well, that's a lot of commercial time they can sell for. Yeah, you had forty million viewers. That's exactly that's some money. Um, um, But how is it how is it that week when there's so much emotion? The actors know that it's the end, but the characters don't. So how do you direct that thing? How do you play that?
0: Um, it, 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 was, it, it was a sad week. It was a sad week for everybody. We did it, um, uh, we did the hour and 45 minutes, I think, over the two weeks before the final episode. So we did it in, uh, in sections. And then the last show we shot was, I think, the one where uh, Teddy takes off his toupee. And uh, we then shot the final scene, everybody sitting around smoking cigars. But, um, you, you know, it's, it's, it, it was a cherished moment. I have on my, uh, uh, on my iPhone, I have a picture of me holding my, uh, then she was a four-year-old daughter, uh, in my arms. She, she's, uh, she's crying because I'm crying mm. at night so it was uh you know it was sad because it was 11 wonderful years and uh but you know t- you know it was it, ted didn't want to do the show it was his bar and we talked about you know maybe going on with without him but that he's so identified with that bar that we said this is a sign we, we we have to end the show and it's as much happiness as we had all those years and as much fun as we had we had an equal amount of sadness on that on that night, and but it was you know look we 're here thirty years later talking about it, so um, there has been nothing as rewarding in all my years of of doing this stuff, and i 've done a lot of them as as my relationship with these guys and the cast and uh, and those moments they will they 're indelible in my mind.
1: How was it for you, George, getting through the end?
4: It was just super sad yeah. it was. Uh... Just, you know, just like, you know, 11 years rigged the primes of our lives, you know? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, Maybe. I'm not sure we realized uh, at that time. Was <laughs> <laughs> we were past our prime, but, <laughs> but you're probably right. Our
1: right? youth. <laughs>
4: no, we were all having kids and everything. Oh, God. You know, yeah. how,
1: many, how many babies were born while we were all working on Cheers? 50? We had two.
0: It 50. I think it's at least 50, yeah. Jimmy, you had, I, did you have all three of your daughters? Three. I had three. George? George had, had three. three. Chris Connor had four. Peter, Casey had, 12. Had two. <laughs> Peter Casey had three. We, Rhea had three. Shelly had one. Rats Ted had, two. had one. Yeah, they used to Rats say there was two.
1: something in the water.
0: <laughs> and it was had good.
1: three, yeah. Great Cheers babies. Um, it was a romantic It was, a, it was very romantic.
2: <laughs> but while I have a chance, I need to point out just how important uh, Sherry and Bill were on Cheers. Uh, I don't know what was...
1: Oh, sh- sh- uh.
2: <laughs> I, We didn't hear all the introductions, so I don't know all that was said before we came out. But, but you guys uh, and Fee Sutton carried the show absolutely on your shoulders for, was it four years?
1: Um, Five years? Yes, I think, I think it was about five and, years. We came this. on in the fourth season, kind of stepped up around seven or eight.
2: Yeah, and started then, out writing this brilliant script and then moved up the ladder and, and carried it. So I don't know where we'd have been without you. So thank you very much. And thank mm-hmm.
1: you. You deserve Thanks. a lot of
2: the kudos. That's true.
1: Thank you. Well, I will say this. I mean, in return, one of the things that you talked about Brandon Tartikoff and, and Grant Tinker giving you that license and trusting you um, to to really make a great show. When you guys entrusted us, and I believe we've quoted Glenn many times because I, when, when you were kind of handing us the reins, I remember you said to us, um, and, and we thought, oh, we can, we can do this. And I, I remember you saying, um, well, if there's anything we can do to allay your fears... Or give you any. <laughs> and we had no idea what we were in store for. We had no idea really how, how uh, uh, what, kind of a, um, what kind of a job it is to maintain that level of quality, that level of humor, and that level of pathos and reality um, that you had, that, that you'd established. Um, and, well, you if, and, and, and if you were happy with us... We are very happy.
2: <laughs> we, were. we never watched the show when you were doing it.
1: But... I know. <laughs> we never watched it after we left. But, no.
2: <laughs> we heard good things. Heard good things <laughs> What's that? Heard good things. Now oh, oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> About the Samboni. <laughs> No, there were many, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it has, a, it does have a life of its own. I, I mean, that's one thing since we do have a little bit of time, I think it was really interesting. We were talking about in the Kirstie, you know, in the transition when Kirstie first came in, um, and she was supposed to be this beautiful, you know, indestructible lady boss martinet, And, um, and it took us that kind of time to find out that, oh, what's funny about her is... Her vulnerability, mm. um, there was always this willingness to kind of go where the gold is, to be open and to listen and watch and, and find it. And, um, there aren't many shows where a director is also a creator and executive producer, unless it's James Burroughs. <laughs> but I think, um, I, I think you having you guys teamed in the unique way that you were really created a special synergy so that the writers and the actors... We connected
0: well, there was always one of us around you know to uh, to to maintain the vision and stuff like that, and uh, you know it was um, the indelible characters that the boys created. I remember I, I read the script uh, I went on my honeymoon, and when I got home, the script was on my door on my doorstep, and I read it and I said, I literally said to the guys, "Oh my God, you brought radio back to television because it was a Literate, incredibly well-defined character study of an American bar, and uh, that foundation that they laid, and uh, you know they were gracious enough to to include me in the creative bias, uh credit, but uh, you know, and I, I'm grateful to them. But they they are the foundation, and and just to have these strong characters, and especially Ted at the center of the show that that he's a wonderful actor and a wonderful man and his you know his personality comes across the screen and lets he's the windows of the show and everybody comes in through him and uh... Um, you know it was just it was it was an easy show to direct the actors were all great the writing was always always great so it was just it was it was not as hard as it looked <laughs>
2: Jimmy's you know, being way too modest, though. We we are, he is probably the most creative director in the history of television comedy. I think, Pro- yeah. Probably. <laughs> okay, he's the most creative. <laughs> I don't want him to get it slow. No, no, it's
0: still, yeah, but it, but it's you know, I, those characters came out of your head. We I know we discussed them, and you went a, we had this whole plot we discussed, and you went away to write it, and it resembled nothing that we discussed. <laughs> and uh, so they are, you know, the, the, uh, I, so I, I don't, the I don't uh, yes, I, 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 know, I, I you. know, I but know. But so much
2: I, of the creation of yeah. what Cheers is happened after the script was on. The
0: I mean, yeah, there is a development process and, and getting the characters to come out and, you know, making sure, uh, you know, everybody's, uh, you know, coming from truth and everything like that. So it was, uh, you know. The, the, it, we're, again. It's thirty years later. We're still talking about this. We the show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we started the evening at talk. the beginning with the pilot. Um, we've got the last scene, and I think it'd be really nice to bookend and then go out there and have a beer with the creators of Cheers. <laughs> so we're gonna watch the last scene. The guy at the door? Yeah.
2: Our agent, Bob Broder. He was <laughs> the guy who put the, the package together to start it all. And Nobody cried harder that night than Bob. than Bob Broder.
1: Well, we're going to carry this party outside, but I am so honored and so happy that you guys graced this stage and shared so much with us tonight. Please help me thank... James Burroughs, Les Charles, Ben Charles, and George
2: Floyd. How are you? How are you? on Thank, Thank, Thank you.
0: You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.